It's time to get it started once again. We love talking high school football in the Chandler, Arizona area, and that's exactly what we're going to do today. The small schools, they have just two regular season games left. We'll talk about who potentially could be in the postseason and who potentially could be out of the postseason. This is the Seatown Rivals podcast presented by BQ Enterprises. What is BQ Enterprises? An independent associate of Legal Shield. Very simply, my name is Brett Quinton, and I am joined by two outstanding guys. As the first one I'll bring on is somebody who's very unique, and some people even say he's on that secret menu, and that is none other than my man Chili, as Chili is about to pop on. There he is. We told you he's a little bit secret, but he is definitely all good. And speaking of all good, a guy I got to see in person really not more than 36 hours ago, Ralph Amston, the heart and soul of Arizona Varsity in this podcast. How are you, my man? I'm good. I'm good. I got to spend Friday with Chili. I got to spend last night hanging out with you, or two nights ago now. I guess I traveled <laughs> yesterday. Um, but no, things are th- things are really good. It was really uh, awesome to touch base in Arizona, see some of the uh, the football teams that we cover as part of Arizona Varsity. And um, I'm, I'm excited to finish this season out with you guys. Absolutely. No, this has definitely been uh, good stuff, as we always like to talk good stuff. But here's the crazy thing. Wow. Our Chandler area teams were sub 500 this past week, three wins and four losses. And granted, a couple of them played one another, but three and four, not usually the norm. We like for our teams to take care of business. And we're going to break it all down for you. And we're going to begin with the Arizona College Prep Knights. And for the second consecutive week, they run into a buzzsaw. They're now four and four after falling hard to the top-ranked Valley Christian Trojans, 54 to six. We'll talk more about Valley Christian shortly, but Ralph, just want to ask you, as we look at their next two games, is this a team, and now keep in mind, VC is ranked currently 21 can they get into the postseason? That, that's a, uh, I think they've got their work cut out for them, my man. Can Valley Christian get to the postseason? Is that what we're Sorry, at? not Valley Christian, ACP. Oh, yeah. Because uh, we know Valley Christian is not only getting to the play, they're going a long ways. Yeah, I think that I think that ACP has an opportunity to get in the postseason if they win one of the – just one, just one okay. of the games that they're not supposed to win. And there's Fair a couple enough. of those on the schedule, right, Chili? Uh, yeah, they got they got two games. Uh, two left. games left. Fountain Hills, Hills is one of them. And, and Push Ridge. And I, I'm going to be honest, man. Uh, I think that senior leadership is something that is lacking over there. Um, I need my man Bryce Chen to step up. Look, they got a young quarterback over there. Uh, Bryce Chen's got to take it on himself, man. And I've been pumping this kid up for a while, and he's been doing a solid job this season. I know he was injured, but he's going to have to be the one that, you know, he's going to have to be the guy that beats his chest and says, hey, look, we're going to do this. Like, Whatever it takes, um, he's going to have to be one of the ones that steps up and really showcases, you know, what ACP is about. Uh, Caden Gibson was out there putting in some work. I saw that uh, he was like the single season sack leader, broke the single season yep. record for them. Um, he looked good uh, in in a in what was a tough game, but um, you know they, they they just need some senior leadership over there to step up and say, hey, look, guys. We got to figure this out because this is not who we are. This isn't a team that gets blown out back-to-back games. Look, they take one on the chin to 
uh, Gilbert North cool, but like this isn't this is not the team that uh, Blueford has designed, and I, I don't believe that this is who they are. No, I, I definitely agree, and it's um, time is running out. I mean, because we know that they're competitive, but the three A is perhaps the most crowdest conference of all of them out there, and to yeah. be number twenty one with two games left, it's they've they've got some challenges. They've I mean, all they can tough. do is win and hope the pieces fall into place. And they're going to get credit for having played Valley Christian and having played ALA Gilbert North. Those are probably going to be two of the top three teams. Yep, because um, they're one two right now. Yep. Right when when the dust settles, and so it's if they can beat, if they can win out, if they can win both games, and then have the credit for even having showed up against against uh, you know some of these other better teams, then I think if Basha can have years where they get to the playoffs at three and seven just because they lined up against Chandler, then hopefully the same thing happens for ACP. They win out. I think they're for sure in. Yes. But if they split, I think it's going to be the tough. Reward? Valley Christian again? Pretty much. Pretty much, yeah. That's what the reward would be, number 16. Because if they do get into the postseason, I don't see them getting any more deeper than 16. And, yes, that would be the reward, playing either at VC or AL Giblet North again. But you know how sometimes, like, it, it, it's tough, like a first date's, like, really hard. You don't really know the people, and you're trying to figure out, you know, uh, what exactly it's going to take to make sure that uh, the date goes the way that you want it to. That's why, like, you have the second date. You have the follow-up. And then, you know, it's all good. You know, everybody enjoys themselves. And, you know, hopefully uh, hopefully, uh, a- uh, hopefully, uh, ACP can walk away with a win versus uh, ALA or Valley Christian in the first round, you know? Hey, I mean, their touchdown was in the fourth quarter, so maybe they're getting the hang of things. Yeah, momentum, you know? Like, they're trying to figure things out. They're trying to, you know, make it hot. So, And I yeah. think it's fair to say we'd rather see them get that 15 or 16 spot and – come up on a short end than that number 17 spot and they miss out on all of November. So we're rooting for you, coach blue for the Knights. Keep it going. That number one team in three, a however, they do continue to dominate. We've of course talked about Valley Christian now eight and O on the season. They've never been eight. No, on our watch chili. We can talk about the next game that will come up, but I want to hear your love for a small school that's over on Galveston Avenue in Chandler. Dude, I think I talked to Ralph for a healthy um, 20 minutes or something like that about how cool the experience was over at Valley Christian. Absolutely. Look, man, um, this isn't a team loaded with uh, five stars, four stars, power five kids. This is a team of kids that love to play the game. Uh, I think I think a lot – this team reminds me a lot of that uh, Seton team where there's a lot of potential for a lot of Saturday players. Um, But dude, this team, the atmosphere is crazy over there and it's crazy good. Um, They got sweet Mike's uh, burgers over there, which they, I guess they're formulated a special way that like they're addicting. They're very, very good. I took a picture, posted it up on Twitter. Um, They really, they really know how to take care of the media. They're going to get more media folks out there because um, the, w- the way the community embraces it. Uh, the student section was super lit. Like everybody was into it, man. I, I had a great time over there. I got to, at halftime, I got to watch the kids like running around on the field and like, it, it was cool, man. It's I, a I terrific, a terrific environment. I mean, the school is growing. I mean, if I'm correct, their middle school is actually out by you, Chile in Tempe. So, I mean, there it is so. actually, it's starting to grow. I mean, that small school culture, and you guys remember when we first started this podcast, what was the thing? 
big school Brett with the big yeah. school bias. Yeah. I, I'm all about yeah. just the whole Valley Christian atmosphere has been fantastic from Brian Winfrey to Greg Hagsma to Coach Scott Timmer. I mean, it, it's just all around. I'm looking forward to getting out there. Um, Valley Christian, seeing them on the road where it's kind of that whole us against them mentality, that Chandler against Gilbert mentality for a few games this week. And I'll just ask you guys, just you guys know more about ALA Gilbert North than myself. Just some of the keys to that game and matchups to watch out for. Ralph, I'll let you go first. Well, their quarterback is very good. He's yes. very good. So containing him is going to be a big thing. They run. I mean, Valley Christian, I don't know if they have experience playing Sholo, but they run that Reisdorf offense that Sholo used to run that made them the best passing attack in all of 3A even back in the day. And so it's just got to be a matter of being disciplined in the secondary maybe confusing some things with some zone coverage. Uh, and then, you know, you you have, you know, Justin Rager showed that he could be good in coverage. You just have to take advantage of any mistakes that they might make on the offensive end. And then offensively, do your thing. Like, they're not, if they have any weakness, it's that they'll give up points. But they hopped all over ALA Queen Creek 21 nothing in that first quarter. you got to avoid that. Because yes. Queen Creek might be able to come back from down 21 nothing, but I don't know if anybody else can at the 3A level or below. So, you know, start strong. If you win the toss, receive. <laughs> right? Uh, yeah, for sure. Um, and then defensively, it's just got to be a matter of being opportunistic. This is going to be a really tough game for them. I don't think we should pretend um, that it isn't. You're going to have to put together a, a perfect game. The, the nice thing is, for Valley Christian, they built up so much equity that this game ultimately in the long run doesn't matter much, um, but you play to win. So go out there and play to win. Play for that number one seed because that's what's on the line. I, I, th I think ALA's advantage here is that this isn't the first big game they're playing this season. They played Sabino in the super hype matchup versus uh, Cameron Hackworth and company. They played uh, Yuma Catholic in another super hyped up matchup with Richard Stallworth. They played uh, ALA Queen Creek in a huge matchup uh, versus Logan Hubler. So seeing uh, Hunter Haringa and, and these boys from Valley Christian, it's going to be nothing new to them this season. Whereas for Valley Christian, this is the biggest game that they have all season. Because so far, we've kind of expected them to win win all the games that they've played. I think after week two, we were like, hey, look, Valley's for real. Watch these Valley boys roll like the Suns. And here they are, 8-0, in their own little bubble. Now they got to go out of that. And, <laughs> and they're going to have to figure out, can we get this dub versus ALA Gilbert North? They're going to have to shut down Johnny Bellino. Uh, they're going to have to shut down Phelps, uh, Lucas Say. Um, this this offense, like Ralph said, it's it's – up tempo, they want to move. Adam DeMonte's better on on the run throwing, which I think possibly could play to the advantage of Valley Christian if uh Regeer, which I found out is pronounced Regeer, just so we're all clear. Here we go. That's important. <laughs> so, yes. Um he he said that you know if you if you keep if we keep pronouncing his name wrong, he's gonna feel disrespected and he's gonna take it out on the opponents. So I guess maybe we should keep pronouncing Justin Rager it is <laughs> <laughs> but um, the advantage is, is he is so fast to the ball carrier that, you know, if DeMonte's rolling out, 
Regeer might be able to get in there and, you know, cause some problems. So there's that. This game's going to be fun. Our guy Gridiron actually did some of the legwork for us yesterday. Found out the last time that somebody from Valley Christian rushed for a thousand yards was actually their quarterback, Joe Morgan, in 2009. And the year before that, in 08, they had uh, a running back run for just over a thousand. But I think it's sophomore Anthony Kierluck in the 2007 season is the last guy to go over 1,200. And uh, Kate Majerisak just went over 1,200. Um, this year. So that we we're seeing probably the best running back performance we've ever seen from a Valley Christian running back. And he missed a game. So imagine where he'd yes. be if he, if, sure. if he didn't miss a game. Absolutely. Now we'll see what the, uh, what the Trojans can do on Friday night. Hopefully they walk away nine and zero, and, but we do know that they have their work cut out for them. Hey, Brett, see- you're going to make, hold on, Brett, you going to make your announcement though. I will be at that game. There's no doubt about that. I will be so rooting for the VC Trojans. I'll get to see Caden Majerisic in action. Obviously, Randy Reisdorf's team is extremely competitive. Should be a great, great atmosphere. And, yes, I am returning to the small school roots. Hey, Definitely looking forward to checking out that game. The Seton Catholic Sentinels, they unfortunately they come up on the wrong end of a 49-26 decision to Mesquite. They dropped their third in a row, and they're now two and four on the year. Chile, they're scoring points, 69 over the last two games, but they've given up 97. Not a great combination, unfortunately. Yeah, um, they're probably not going to make the playoffs. Um, I don't I don't know if that surprises either of you guys, but um, this team has struggled. Uh, streaks are – losing streaks are bad, mm-hmm. um, you know, and – I, I don't know. They they can't seem to find themselves defensively. Um, defense wins ball games, and that is part of the reason that they're losing so many. It seems like after uh, that Casa Grande game got canceled or yep. whatever, um, it seems like they spiraled. And uh, I, I don't know what the solution is. Uh, you can ride Mikey Castro and uh, Williamson, but you know you got dude. You got to find a way to stop somebody. You really got to find a way to stop somebody. I know they've used Mikey on defense. I don't know, man. I, I I don't know what the solution is over there. Yeah, it's tough going, Ralph. I mean, it's definitely uh, – this isn't what we we thought. I think perhaps it might even be the way that it's happening. I mean, coming in, I don't think we necessarily expected a, a dominant Seton Catholic team this year, but just the fact that they're giving up a lot of points and we're not seeing anybody else – step up with the exception of Mikey Williamson, as you guys have mentioned, kind of disappointing. Just it's, it's not what we had, had hoped for. This is going to sound corny, but um, cause I know it's not absolutely true, but sometimes you just need more support on the defensive side of the ball. And like, they don't even have anybody inputting stats. Like they, they, right. they haven't uploaded one defensive stat all year long. And so, if you don't have the resources to put the attention to detail to just upload some statistics, maybe you don't have all the support you need on the defensive side of the ball to make sure people are where they're supposed to be. That's you an know? accurate point. It, yeah. it, this this team's strength is its offense, and and its Achilles heel is its defense, and it's as simple as that. Mikey Castro can't do much more. Two hundred twenty-seven yards a game, if you're including special teams. Um, he's gone over hundred yards rushing four times. He's got twelve touchdowns. Uh, just in the, in the receiving and, and rushing game, um, they, they're finding a way to get him the ball. Um, their junior quarterback, he's he's 
not perfect, but he's having a solid season, completing 63% of his passes, 13 touchdown passes, almost a two-to-one touchdown to turnover ratio. And so I I don't know. I see encouraging things out of their offense, but unless you get out there and see them for yourself or you're watching full games on huddle, it's really hard to get a grasp on what's going on on the defensive side of the ball because we can't even make a read on you know, what's going on statistically. Are they pressuring the quarterback? Do they have anybody that's getting tackles for loss or sacks or anything? Um, I don't know. So I don't know. Proud, proud, of, proud of the offense, but – you know, what, what are they going to do to balance these things out? And when, you know, 35% of their offense graduates uh, this year with, with Mikey Castro being in his last season, what are they going to do? And so now I think it's kind of time to start looking toward the future, but they want to make sure they have a good showing in these last couple of games. Absolutely. And it is a tough go for them this week as they're on the road at five and one desert mountain, the Perry Pumas. They're now two and five on the season after dropping a 27, 12 decision to the Highland Hawks. Chili, very simply, this is another situation where Perry was simply outmanned. I mean, you know that that they kept the game as close as they did, twenty-seven to twelve. I think that there's a there's something there's a silver lining in there. Um, Highland's one of the toughest teams in the state. Mm-hmm. Uh, a lot of us think that they're an open team. Um, look, man, th- this is this is a tough stretch. Uh, Hamilton, Chandler, Highland. Uh, the only tougher stretch that I think a team has uh, this season is Highland, who has Basha Hamilton Highland. So like, I mean, or Basha Hamilton Chandler. So mm-hmm. I, I, th- I think that, you know, look, Perry survived this. Um, they get an opportunity to uh, like finish up with Castile. Um, you know, I, I think that, you know, the, look, man, I, it, it's a tough season, right? Like just got to make the most of it. I, I don't know that any, I don't know that any of us expected, you know, two or three wins from Perry. Well, except for Ralph. Um, but you know, I, I think, look, Perry's already exceeded my expectations and Brett, I'm pretty sure they exceeded yours also. So, you know, a two, three win Perry team, like it's going to yeah. sound crazy. I think coach Jones has this going the right direction. They are where we thought they would be. I mean, right. it, it's, it, we hate saying that. I mean, they ran Awatuki, which is something that they yeah. definitely can hang their hat on. The uh-huh. schedule is pretty tough. I mean, we're hoping maybe they can uh, take out Higley later this year. So yeah. three and seven is about where we kind of expected because very simply, they don't have the talent that they once did a couple years back. So, yeah. Facts. So, Facts. Yep. Their next opponent, the Castile Colts, as I see Ralph kind of uh, – I, I, Ralph has nothing to say right now. <laughs> Their next opponent is the three and three Castile Colts team and – those Colts, they fell to the Williamsfield Blackhawks on Friday night, 24-14. Fellas, I was at the game. Let me tell you what I saw. So halftime, it was 3-0 Williamsfield. And I'm saying to myself at halftime, wow, are we going to see Bobby Newcomb's team get shut out on back-to-back weeks? Because that first half, the offense was struggling. A.J. Murphy, non-factor throughout really the whole game. Landon Jury, quarterback, he wasn't moving the ball effectively. So Newcomb came in, and he took the snaps from the quote-unquote Wildcat formation. He was able to move the ball a little bit, but not really effectively. At halftime, both coaches made some amazing adjustments, and we saw some points in that second half. I mean, obviously the final score was 24-14, but what I'm getting from Castile and Grant, I've only seen them the one time and teams change over the course of the year, of course. But at the same time, 
They're competitive. There's no doubt about that. They hung with Hamilton. They have been in virtually every game that they've been supposed to have been in. But at the same time, when they start to play some of these upper echelon teams, I don't know if they have enough firepower on both sides of the ball to stay in it. So we'll, we'll just have to, we'll have to see, but uh, three and three, I think after six games, we thought they might be a pinch better, but right now I think they're where they're supposed to be as well. Man. But the one thing, and I'll say even before we do this, let's just dive into kind of the culture of Castile with the athletic director, Ryan Ridnour, who I spoke to at halftime of that contest. I'm here with Ryan Ridnour, the athletic director for Castile High School, and I just get in the habit of calling everybody coach, so I'm going to call you. Fair enough. Coach, your initial thoughts on what is a very tight game. You're on the short end of a 3 nothing game. It's a rivalry. Just take us through what you're seeing tonight. A little bit of a rhythm thing. Um, you can see that we've we've had a little tough time with them in the past, and we've you can see we've got a still a little bit of fear. We haven't kind of broke through that yet. We made a couple probably not very uh, traditional smart plays and put us in a little bit of a behind the eight ball a little bit. We got to play a good second half. Football is just one of the many sports that you guys play here at Castile High School. A lot of them very successful. Wrestling, girls basketball, baseball. Just tell us what goes into kind of you overseeing your coaching staff. Well, a lot of this, uh, we've got a really strong culture in our weight room, and the kids kind of bind together, and they know they're continuously, you know, pushing each other from each of the programs, and success breeds success. Sure. I mean, no matter what that looks like, um, one program wins, the other ones want to compete and be the next one to win. So it's been a great environment for us. From an academic standpoint, you guys also have very high standards. Tell us kind of the, uh, I'm going to say, the typical makeup of a solid student athlete in your mind and what you're seeing because these kids have very high GPAs. Yeah, you hit on that. We've got the last two years, we've had 15 and 13 programs simultaneously within our department that have had a 3.5 or better as a group. So it's been pretty incredible. And a lot of that's just the expectation that we're going to be the best we can in everything we can do. What is your day-to-day duty as an athletic director? It seems like I get a different answer from each AD, but take Take us through a typical day for you. Well, a lot of the day is put into school things. Athletic director happens after school. <laughs> yeah, we put in uh, a lot of time doing some discipline, working in classrooms, evaluating teachers. Um, you know, I like to spend as much time as I can getting to know coaches and being with them and letting them, you know, get their concerns off their chest and do what I can to, to help them. The CUSD has long had the uh, slogan, second to none. And I truly believe that just tell us about the district, your camaraderie with the other ADs, and is there a little bit of pressure on you? This school has a last name of somebody special. Without a doubt. I spent 18 years in this business before I made it to this district, so um, this is one that everyone puts their hat on and hopes they can get to. It's tremendous. Uh, from the leadership at the absolute top, um, the expectations to be successful in everything we do. So um, there is some pressure on it. Having Dr. Castillo, she just walked off a minute ago. Um, that's always going to be there. Um, and we're proud to be able to hold, uphold her name. Folks, that's Ryan Ridnour, the athletic director of Castile High School, an outstanding high school in the CUSD. Thank you so much. Thank you very much. Appreciate it. And indeed, Ryan Ridnour, a great guy, just great school. And I mean, I think what's cool for all of us is 
we've gotten to see this school rise up. I mean, when we started this high when we started the podcast, there was no Castile High School. There right. really wasn't. And we've seen them go from 3A to champs at 3A to 5A to 6A. And I mean, they're doing their thing. This may just be an average year for them. But overall, I think we speak very highly of Castile High School. I think I think it's a tough year. Uh, look, I, I don't think that Coach Newcomb likes to be hovering around 500. He expects uh, greatness uh, with all the teams that he puts out there. Uh, this team is fully um, molded by him now. Um, mm-hmm. His his uh, fingerprints are all over the program. Um, he, they got talent. They got talent over there. And uh, I, I, man, I don't want to say I'm disappointed. I am disappointed in the loss because I felt like this should have been a very winnable game. Uh, given some of the situations going on with Williamsfield and stuff, but um, they're going to rebound. They're going to be okay. Uh, they got Perry this week, which I, you know, I guess, a, you know, we consider that a, a good thing typically, right? Yes. Like when you need to rebound, you go, you go holler at Perry uh, and line it up. And after that, you know, it's going to get tougher. They're going to see Chandler and then Desert Ridge. And, you know, I, I think this team's going to get uh, two more wins this season. They're going to be, they're going to be 500, I think. And yep. that's the And they're playoff bound. I mean, they'll probably yes. open on the road, but they're playoff bound. Yes. Hey, real quick, Ralph, are you smashing some Zaxby's? Is that Zaxby's over there? What no, man. No, no, no. It's a great salad. It's a great salad. <laughs> Brett, my man's smashing chicken sandwiches with us just watching. No, no. <laughs> Come on. I was, I was, I'm three hours ahead of you guys, so it's 120. It now. is lunchtime. Yeah, yeah. No, so, I'm, hungry. I'm hungry. All right. And it may so, be lunchtime, but. Moving on to a team that truly is on, eating. One second, one second on the yes. field thing because I, you know, I can't speak into what's going on in that school, but I can say that there's a lot of really elite schools that we cover, and their offense is their offense. Like they, if, if they're up fifty, they're still going to run their offense because they know in not every game are they going to be up fifty. And Landon Jury has averaged ten pass attempts in their three wins. He's averaged thirty-one in their three losses. So you get up on some of these teams, you're not running passing plays, you're not getting those reps, and then you need to when you're down, might be, might, big might. Again, I'm not there, but Mm -hmm. it might be a big indicator of what exactly, you know, the, the, the issue is as far as not being able to execute. Sometimes it doesn't matter if you're up, you just gotta be who you are. You can't let it be completely de- be uh, dependent on the situation. And that's what I worry about, you know, with Castile right now is they're they're a different team based on what's going on on the field. Brett, did you notice that while you were at the game uh, from first half to second half? Yeah, yeah, they uh, they definitely made a lot of adjustments, and the second half was it was a totally different contest. I mean, you thought, I mean, there was you kind of thought that Castile would win for a little bit, but Williamsfield just kept outpacing them. But, and again, it was always a consistent uphill battle for the Colts. I mean, they really, Williamsfield had always had never trailed in the game, but there was a time where you're like, all right, Hey, wow, one score. And it's like the Colts are on top and now they can get back into a different rhythm. So it's, um, it is two, it is kind of a tale of two quarterbacks and two offenses. Now he's right. Speaking of a team that's eating, and Ralph, we know we don't want to disturb your lunch, but the Basha Bears, they're 7-0. and They've been eating all year. They outscored Mountain Point 48-21 to Mond Williams Jr., 15 of 19 in the air with three touchdown passes. He ran for 100 yards and a score. Defensively, so most points all year that Basha had given up, but that's not really that big of a deal. 
they like their Valvista partners. They run Awatuki and yes. this chili. I'll say your thoughts on the win. They're getting that extra day of rest. And let's even take a look at the Highland contest. It's number five against number six. I, I, I was out there to watch the Bash and Mountain Point game. Um, Bash is everything that I said they were. Uh, super talented on defense, fully loaded in that secondary, uh, talented group of uh, linebackers. Um, I think that, you know, uh, the offense hasn't been given their due by myself. I love what they got going on over there. Um, they do have a few more two-way guys than I would personally like when the open comes around. But, you know, for the regular season, uh, these guys are making it work. Coach McDonald's got a good grip on uh, how to manage the culture, the personalities, because he did absorb a bunch of them, you know, due, due to transfers, uh, in-state, out-of-state, whatever. Um, and he's managing them great. Look, Mountain Point probably had the one of the best drives that I'd seen all year from maybe any team against a defense of that stature uh, on that first drive where they pounded the ball and Jalen rushing and uh, Amir Williams did their thing on the ground and they got in the end zone, scored first. Uh, then they made the biggest mistake ever. Um, they kicked the ball to Cole Martin. The whole time I was like, <laughs> the whole time on the sideline, like while we were waiting for the kickoff to set up, I was telling people, I was like, they need to just squib this. Just squib it, kick it out of bounds, do whatever. And somebody somebody told me, said, oh, Cole's, Cole's okay. Like, he's not going to take he, – can he take it all the way back? I was like, man, 12 seconds later, you see uh, Dr. Castile jumping up and down like there we this. Go. <laughs> you see the GOAT. And I'm like, oh, yeah, the game changes in 12 seconds, changes so fast. And, um, look, any momentum that Mountain Point had at that point, it was just taken away. So Cole Martin's the most electrifying player in the state. Absolutely. And the one, if there was a down point uh, in that game, uh, Kay Price, young sophomore offensive lineman for the Basher Bears, he's out for the year. Obviously very disappointing, but he, he's – very simply going to be a cheerleader. He supports his team. He knows he can't physically do it this year, but he's there. He's ready. And I look for him to rebound for his junior year and senior year. Ralph, did yeah. you get a chance to check out the game online? I did. I did. The Cole Martin kick return was just like, wow, because Red Mountain probably put together their best drive of the year. And it just didn't matter. Right. I mean, that was that. And it, it yeah, you can't, you can't be kicking the ball <laughs> to Cole Martin. You just can't. But the offense still looked good. Um, I think we're officially on Damon Williams' record watch um, because I think yes. most, most touchdowns Zach Whirlinger ever had in a season combined passing and rushing was 32. The most that um, Ryan, Ryan Kelly, Kelly ever had was 34. And then there was a year before we started covering them uh, they had a player, um, I think Kevin Duran is his name, um, and he rushed for 10 and threw for 29. So if, if, if Kyle Duran, Kyle Duran, that's my fault. So we're looking at, you know, DeMond Williams with 24 touchdowns, possibly quite a few games left. Yeah. Uh, that, that it's very possible that as a sophomore he could hold that record. And with a school that's had a lot of really good quarterbacks in its short history, that's kind of a lot of fun um, to track. This is a really good team. Brett pointed out something when I was hanging out with him the other night that if this team makes the open, they might get like three weeks off. Yeah. Yes, because their bye week is yeah. 
Right. Correct. Their bye week is the last week of the season, which which for Basha, I don't love that. And let me yeah, explain right. why. Mm-hmm. Like, look, the, the level of competition of the schedule isn't quite up to open par, right? Because they own, the toughest team that they saw on their schedule is going to be Highland. And yep. then, you know, it's it's going to get it's going to be soft for the for what will be their last game. Then it's going to be their week off. And then um, yeah, the other week, week off for the open. Right. So like it, it's I, I just don't love it. Are their players going to be capable of uh, shifting gears and making the adjustments? Absolutely. But I man, it's tough. That's going to be the toughest three game stretch that they see um, in over two years before a lot of these kids got into the program. Absolutely. And Chile, you figure their next game is against number six Highland at Highland. Your thoughts on that game? This is this is where uh, not having Cade Price hurts, right? Because uh, Highland has one of the Highland is super physical, super duper physical. Uh, They don't have a lot of guys going both ways. Um, Usually they're running back. It flips as a linebacker or whatever. And some of their receivers uh, do a little bit of work on defense or whatever. But they don't have a lot of guys that predominantly go both ways, especially in the trenches. Um, this is this is where losing somebody like Cade Price hurts for rotations and stuff like uh-huh. that. But um, if Basha doesn't match uh, the physicality of Highland, um, they could they could see their first L in their toughest game, and then everybody's going to start bringing up the questions like, uh, is Basha really uh, right. open worthy? And you know the rest of their schedule doesn't say so. But I, look, Ferraris don't like to get hit by Mack trucks. That, that's like the saying, right? That's what I keep hearing. Ferraris don't like to get hit by Mack trucks. The biggest question is, can these Mack trucks catch those Ferraris? Correct. Chili, uh, Chili has a theory that Highland's been giving us the okey-doke all year. Not all year, but for the past few weeks, I think that, you know, uh, they've been they've been doing it enough uh, to win these games and then playing a little possum to kind of, you know, uh, protect some of the playbook. And Look, man, I, I think that they've been waiting for this stretch. I think they've been waiting for this stretch, this three-game stretch that they have to kind of, you know, uh, iron out some wrinkles. And because, look, this is the toughest three-game stretch in it Arizona is. high school football. Right Absolutely. Now. Basha, Hamilton, and Highland. I'm not sure what the order is. Basha, Hamilton, Chandler. That, and I'm not sure what the order is. But that is a possible stretch that you could see in the open for three weeks. You could it possibly is. No, see yeah, a Basha sure. in the first round. You possibly see uh, a Hamilton Chandler in the second round, and then Chandler Hamilton to finish it off. So, like, very true. So you got to move. Basha shouldn't look at the fact that they beat Perry by forty-six, and then look at the fact that Highland beat Perry no. by fifteen. No, you no, can't be doing that. Those. No, that's no. We got to move, you know. move it on, fellas. As we like two sport athletes, and I'm a two sport broadcaster as my first pitch is in less than two hours. So we've still got two more teams left to talk about the Hamilton Huskies. They're now seven and oh, after blasting the desert Vista thunder 63 to 17. This is a team that's now scored in 17 straight quarters. Ralph, this offense is loaded. They can pass, they can run. We both love Nico Marchio, but you enjoy talking about wide receiver Christian Anaya. I like talking about running back Nick Switzer. Both were productive. Ralph, whoever you want to talk about, it's all you. Yeah, I, Chili, I had a question. Is Christian Anaya a transfer? I don't think so, but I don't remember him playing on that 22 freshman team because the star because of that a, 22 freshman listed. team was K.J. Minifield. He does have a listing on Max Preps as a Desert Vista 
football player. Interesting. So that makes me wonder, was he playing against his former team? Was this a revenge Dang. game? Oh, jeez. We got well, to reach out to him and figure it out. But he's already got 11 touchdowns on the season. He's doing well. You say we all love Nico Marchio, but I'm going to be honest, man. I, I, I like him. I like him, but I had doubts. I did have doubts as to whether he um, could carry a team. Did he not shed those doubts against Bishop Gorman, though? Oh, no, doubts have been shed. But I just want to point out that, like, he's he's done a lot more to earn my respect in last year's championship game yep. this year than he did in, in everything leading up to last year's championship game. I agree. No, and I definitely agree. time at Regis, I always thought that he was kind of like a super tough – a guy, yeah, I've been wrong before. I thought Jalen Hurts was a game manager. He went to Oklahoma and won a Heisman. So sometimes it's just about the system that you're in, and he's showing that he can do whatever you need him to do. And, and Anaya's awesome. I don't really have much to say uh, other than that. Chili Hamilton, yeah. thoughts right quick? Hey, you want to know what's crazy is uh, sideline blogs. I've been out to about like 20 games or something like that in Arizona, freshman, varsity, whatever. Um, and I've talked to a bunch of varsity players on other teams, and Privately, I've been taking this poll, of which I'm going to keep it private, um, but I will tell you what it is. I have asked kids, you know, if you could have any quarterback to quarterback your team, you know, without throwing your guy under the bus, who would you want? And they've all said, they have all said they would want to play with Nico Marquial. That is the type of leader that Nico has shown the rest of Arizona. Mm-hmm. Think about that. Do do. Go back and check out the vlogs and you'll see like some of the kids that I've talked to. Maybe I talked to them, maybe I didn't. But it's a, it's about like a healthy 15, 15 football players that I have talked to varsity level. Nico Marquial is the guy. There's no question in my mind. He is the leader this year. And, hey, bring Hamilton that national title. Absolutely. Well-deserved off week for the Huskies and the Chandler Wolves. They're coming off of their off week and – we know who they have next, the 6-0 Queen Creek Bulldogs on the road. It's all part of that whole Chandler teams playing at Gilbert, a Chandler teams playing at Queen Creek. Number one at number three, talk to me about this game. Hey, when you said when you said uh, we know who they have next, I thought you were going to say that we know that they have Keon Grace coming back. Uh, the boy is back, the Ohio State commit, yep. and he's going to get it going versus number three ranked. Uh, Queen Creek team. I am super excited, super proud of him. He's been putting in that work, going hard, um, helping the coaches, guys on the sidelines, bringing back the leadership. Um, and this isn't this isn't a team that lacks it. So uh, he's been doing all the small things. And uh, I got a chance to catch up with him at the Basha game. And he was telling me, you know, how much he appreciates the opportunity to just come back and play the game. And, you know, he's appreciated the time off too, to realize like how much, you know, he needed this. Ralph? Uh, I got a text message from Coach Garrettson after last week's show, just kind of breaking down everything that Don um, Coleman has done, and uh, I think he's probably going to be the key in this game. But you, you can't, you absolutely can't short sell everything that Queen Creek's done this year. Chandler needs to take this as seriously as possible, and if Chandler can, if Chandler can make Queen Creek look human, then we know that they're ready for Hamilton. We know that they're ready for the Open. Absolutely. I got a question for you guys. Who did the Chandler Wolves start this current winning streak against? Oh, great question. It had to be somebody right after Mountain Point, which means it had to be probably getting into. No, it was it would have been after the 
because you figure Mountain Pool is the last Arizona team to beat them. Oh, that's what I was be after IMG. No, it was after the loss to California, like Centennial. Corona Centennial. Then they would have come back home. And Ralph, you were at this game. I'll even give you a hint there. Man, it's been a long time. I'm not sure. Desert Ridge? Queen Creek, Devin Larson. Oh, yeah, that, that was a great game. Yes. Devin that's Larson, they, Devin Lar- they almost won. Yeah, correct. That's who yeah. the streak started against. That's um, Dang. good stuff. But, yes, that's uh, – I'm going to say that's it for this week's show. We've got plenty of Chandler area teams who are on the road playing at Queen Creek, playing at Gilbert's. It'll be uh, – It'll be good stuff. I'm looking forward to this week. Small school football, big school football. <laughs> when we talk next, we'll have the rankings out again. We'll see if there's an open shakeup of any type, who's on top in 3A. But, guys, as always, it is awesome. See, it's weird for me to say that I've seen Ralph in person more recent than I've seen you, Chili. Dang. Really that's, trying to get me. that's the mysterious round robin of the three of us. On that note, we'll talk to you guys later. See you next week.